Hi folks, thanks for tuning into the Finance Hour. Topic of this week's show is Taming the Data Beast. Nowadays there's more data stored on computers in the cloud than we can even imagine, and it's growing exponentially. This amount of data can be overwhelming, but it's also an opportunity for businesses to understand their financials and customers' behaviours and drive better business decisions. That's where Mitch Tomazic from Unify Services comes in. Mitch has had a long career as a business analyst in companies like Telstra, which puts him in the perfect position to advise businesses as to how to use enormous amounts of data to make better decisions. One really interesting example is how they track people's time in shops and where they go to work out how to lay out the store and where the staff are doing a good job. This is something that all us consumers can relate to. In Ruben's rant, I talk about Lawyer X and the methods police need to use to prosecute drug dealers. Thanks and enjoy the show. Okay, folks, welcome to the Finance Hour. You might be listening on the podcast or on live on Jair, but uh, it's good to have you again back this week. Unfortunately, we did have a, uh, a missed show last week. We had somebody, uh, Levi Aaron, in fact, from Deliveroo, who was meant to be on the show, and he cancelled at late notice, but he is going to be on uh, in February sometime, so we've rebooked him back in, and uh, it'll definitely be one worth listening to. Uh, I know my family is a pretty big customer of Deliveroo, so I'll be interested to hear about the business model. Uh, Thanks for those of you that tune in regularly. Uh, I also do have all the backlist of podcasts. This is number 57, if I'm correct. Uh, They're all on my website, adaptwealth.com.au. You can also find them on the Finance Hour, uh, searching iTunes, or it's even on Spotify now as well, and Stitcher. Okay, well, today we are going to talk about business data. There's just more and more data available to individuals and businesses. It's all floating out there in the ether. And the question is, is how do we make sense of all that? So we're going to be uh, speaking today to Mitch Tomazic, who is a director at our Unify Services. And we're going to find out a little bit about how we tame all the data that is out there and hopefully uh, use it for our advantage. Uh, but before we do that, it is time for Ruben's Rant. Ruben's Rant. Now, my rant yep. about this week is about what's been in the paper a lot about this Lawyer X. Uh, we all know who it is, but they can't say the name. But apparently she was helping the police uh, get a whole lot of you know prosecutions against drug dealers and the like. And they were paying her money and all sorts of things were going on. Uh, and now it's sort of come to light that some of the stuff may not have been quite above board. And uh, there's a whole lot of questions around some of the prosecutions which they made on the back of testimony from her. Now, of course, police have to do everything right and by the book, and if they don't, it causes problems. But the one thing that I want to say is that when you're dealing with drug dealers and police, just like if you're dealing with intelligence, you know, there are some difficult things that come up. And it's often very difficult for us to judge them as uh, as lay people as to what they're doing. When you're dealing with drug dealers, unfortunately, you might need to go down to their level a little bit uh, in order to get information and do things that, yes, you know, the average person out there might not think is great, but you've got to do them anyway. So I think we should temper a little bit our judgment of uh, these policemen uh, and what they were doing at the time in order to get prosecutions and hopefully get the drug dealers off the street. Okay, well, that's it for my 
rant. Uh, we're going to take a very little quick break, and then I will have Mitch uh, join us in the studio. Welcome back to the Finance Hour. We are speaking today uh, with Mitch Tomazic, who is uh, the director of a company called Unify Services. Rather than me telling you what it's all about, I'm going to let, get, let Mitch tell you. Mitch, thanks for joining us in the studio. Thanks for having me, Ruben. I appreciate it. Okay, can you just go a little bit closer to the microphone? In fact, turn the microphone on the side like I am uh, and talking like that. Yeah, that's much better. Excellent. All right, Mitch. Well, uh, I guess, you know, there's never been a situation where there's more and more data. We seem to be creating it everywhere on our phones, in our personal lives, in business. And I understand, uh, and often it's hard to make sense of it, what to do with it. So I understand uh, that's what you do. So can you tell us a little bit about about what you do. Yes, thanks, Ruben. Um, So we focus on business intelligence tools that have been around for the last 10 years. Um, Most people have heard of spreadsheets, uh, Microsoft Excel. Yeah. And a lot of people are drowning in Excel and uh, creating a lot of reports that don't really go anywhere. Yeah. And very difficult to find insights, which can be converted into actions, which optimize a business's performance. Right. So, so your work is really largely dealing with businesses. And what sort of, you're saying uh, they've got data in spreadsheets. What sort of data do people keep in spreadsheets? Yeah, great question. That one. Um, it's pretty much anything. Financial data, marketing, mm-hmm. product, costings, uh, mm. human resources. So it's very much any type of data that we look at analyzing and helping to find patterns and trends that yeah. can help to actually optimize the business performance. Yeah, okay. So people have got all this data in spreadsheets. So let's say, I don't know, I've got my, you know, my business, I've got all my financial accounts in there and yep. put every invoice in and the like. So are you really about trying to get people to stop using spreadsheets and start using better systems? Yeah, that's definitely one of them. And it's also about going away from spreadsheets and actually going directly to the data source. Because mm-hmm. once you're actually copying and pasting data from different applications and databases, there is a lot of human error and it takes a lot of time to actually mm. create a spreadsheet that's meaningful. Yeah. So we automate that entire process. We'll help actually pull the data out of the repository, whether it's a marketing, customer relationship management data, mm. or marketing data, or product data, sales data, mm. and actually um, bring it into a place where we can actually uh, have a business intelligence tool that will actually display that information in a more meaningful way. Right. So, um, I mean, it's interesting because I've, I've talked on the show a bit before. I have like a uh, a little segment called My Propeller Head of the Week where I talk about all these little apps or different business things that you, that I use and I'm always sort of gathering more of them and, you know, sometimes you keep getting these other, you know, you, before you know it, you've got 10, 15, 20 sort of bits of software. Um, but are you finding that's common that people are you know, rather than just sort of sticking with their one software, they, they just keep jumping around and getting a whole lot of extra add-ins. Um, and and yeah. does that make your job harder? It can in some cases. So we look at it, we're very agnostic in terms of the type of data and applications the business is running. Mm-hmm. Our uh, The way we work is we bring all those data sets that you're, that you're creating into one single view. Mm-hmm. So if you want to understand how your marketing spend is actually how effective it is if you're mm. doing a certain marketing campaign in terms of sales into in a store, um, in terms of ratio of customers that are new customers that are coming in after that marketing campaign, in terms of ratio of staff to customers. That's actually bringing a lot of different data sets 
into one single view where it's very difficult yeah. in an Excel spreadsheet. Okay, so let's then use an example, right? So you're so from a marketing point of view, I mean, I, I suppose I when you talk about uh, you know being IT sort of data, I initially think that it must be online marketing, but you're saying it's not necessarily. So so give me an example of a kind of store. What 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 they'd be you know measuring in terms of people coming in and what they're buying, how, how they measure that, and then how you how you can get that into some sensible information. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's say you are running a marketing campaign and you're going to sell you want to sell mattresses. Mm-hmm. So you run a campaign. You're spending a million dollars in your advertising, mm-hmm. hypothetically, and then you have 50 stores. People mm-hmm. are coming into your shops, yeah. and you want to know if a sale takes, on average sale for a bed is 30 minutes, yeah. 90% of your customers leave within five minutes. Yeah. What's going on? Why yeah. are we not converting? Is it our sale training for, mm-hmm. our custom, uh, for our staff? Is yeah. it our staff aren't actually attentive? Mm-hmm. We might not have enough staff on at the right times. Mm-hmm. So that's all opportunities lost. So you're spending all this marketing uh, budget, but, but you're not actually it's getting falling a return. over somewhere. Correct, and we're all about figuring out with the analytics of where are we falling over. So how do you know how long they're spending in the shop? Yeah, so there's a lot of different tools that people use. That will actually uh, you can get um, what's called beacons. They will mm. detect a mobile phone device right. and know how long that mobile device has been inside that store. Right, so it literally just detects the phone. Correct. Does it's, it does it read your text messages or your uh, calendar? Not or? quite. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but probably soon. Yeah, it checks where you, what you've been browsing. Uh, so yeah. is that the most common thing that it actually – is that the most common way of that, checking how long people go in for? Yeah, for a retail. Yeah. For a retail segment, yes. And how, how common is that? Is that uh, – In Australia? Yeah. Very low penetration. Very low. Yeah. In other countries, very high. Yeah. But ultimately, most businesses, you want to know if you've got the right ratio of staff to customers at any particular time. Okay, so you can measure how long they're in the store. I get that through the phone, mm-hmm. right? But how do you measure if you? How do you know if you've got enough staff or if your yep. staff are any good? Yeah, yeah, they're great, great. That's, so what you would do is you would look at your sales figures. So you would start blending your POS data, how many sales you're actually making at a POS particular da- oh, point, point of, of sales. sales. Yeah, so your actual of, correct. Yeah, yes. where people swipe their credit cards. Correct. So yeah. you know when you've made a purchase, people made a purchase. How much the purchase was for? Who sold them the, the item? Mm-hmm. So you've got you're starting to uh, blend all of this data to actually pre- create a picture that might say, you know what. Uh, Ruben's a really great salesperson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's regardless of when he's always converting in terms of the ratio. Regardless of, of when, regardless of what time. Of time day. Correct. But there's some other people that are, might only work weekends, which is the busiest time, mm-hmm. and they're actually not converting a lot of customers at all. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Maybe we need to do some retraining. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just not the right person for the job. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's. I mean, seeing how much. Uh, you know, a, a particular salesperson sells. I mean, that's a pretty straightforward thing, really, isn't it? Because yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is not straightforward is how many people actually do you have an opportunity to sell to? Right. So, so how it, many people actually came into the store? Correct. At particular times of the mm. day, and how mm. long do they spend? Mm. So that's when it gets really powerful. Analytics become mm. very powerful, and that's just a retail example. But you need a lot of. Um, obviously, you need quite a lot of. Uh, data over time to make it uh, to make accurate or not necessarily no usually even after two or three months you start yeah. the picture starts to form very quickly yeah okay yeah and that's we've we've seen this that yeah usually two or three months we can say it, a lot of businesses if it's a 10 store site might save 30 to fifty thousand dollars a year just in rostering um, I mean just think about going to a shop how many times you go to a shop and the ratio of staff to customers is mm. way off 
either right. there's too many staff or not enough. Yeah, okay. So so that's uh, yeah, so that's that's really important as you say just knowing how many people are coming in at different times of the day. Correct. Um yeah. And that's just one example. So uh, retail is a great place for people to find efficiencies mm. and improvements in their business. Mm. Um, we've got customers that have got small bookkeeping practices where we've automated 80 to 90% of all their monthly so, reports. Sorry, I, just to, I, yes. I want to get a bookkeeping. That's interesting, but I just want to stick with the retail for yep. just one minute. Uh, what about sort of the way you lay out your store and that kind of thing? Does yes. that, does that um, you yep. know, what you have where? And yep, so that's taking analytics to the next level, and that's... Yeah. Um, great that you're thinking about that a lot of yeah. people are not so yeah. yes we can do um with analytics you can do heat mapping of the stores mm. so you know where people are spending the most time mm. where they're going so that the the items with the highest gp you're always placing in an area that is going to have the most people coming to mm. so yeah definitely so heat mapping has been we've done that in some large uh, petrol, uh, petrol stations mm-hmm. uh, in Australia where yeah. we know exactly where people are going and how long they're spending yeah. those parts that part of the actual shop front yeah yeah. okay excellent so is re- retail is that like a very big part of your business or uh, it's a growing part yeah uh, look it's it, there is a little bit of cost of getting it off mm. the ground mm. but usually the return on investment is like a 12 month thing yeah, with most okay. of these things yeah. so if people are prepared to spend a bit of time and money and mm. effort they're definitely going to reap the rewards and I guess you're also um, I mean you are talking about before someone spending a whole lot of money on marketing but I guess this also really helps measure what the marketing is achieving isn't it 100% that's, yeah, that's the, the key yeah, to all of this yeah, if yeah. you're spending X you know a million dollars on marketing Mm. and people aren't coming through the doors and people aren't converting the sales aren't converting yeah what's wrong we need yeah. to there's a this, yeah. there's a step somewhere yeah. in the process that needs to be rectified yeah. but um i guess that you know the whole thing of how well your marketing is working is a lot easier in the, to measure on the online environment really isn't it because if you do a facebook ad campaign or whatever or you know there's all these analytics that can measure how long people come to your website how many people buy like that's that's uh, I'm guessing where it's easier yes. to to evaluate that data and it's just readily available. Yeah, yeah, Google Analytics yeah. and there's other platforms that will do that. But yeah. even with that, there are um, there's diff- obviously there's t- different types of marketing as well. But understanding how much you're actually spending and understanding what you've got in the store, mm. um, being able able to analyze how your the products that are selling the fastest, especially yeah. when you've got lots of products. When if you've got ten products, it's much easier when you've got hundreds of products mm. or even if you've got 10 products but you've got thousands of customers, mm. I, being able to understand which customers are coming back the most. Yeah, yeah. So there's, that's, that's, again, another place where so, BI helps. So do you, um, do you do a lot of work with online, o- online businesses? Some, yes. A, a mm. lot of them have both presence. They'll have an online mm. presence yeah. and a retail presence. Yeah. That's usually the norm yeah. um, and it, because analytics will help them in terms of stock control and mm. stock flows how long things are stick, staying on the shelves mm. if people things aren't being unpacked that are actually coming to a store so and um, also the visibility between online and offline sales what's actually mm. costing us more mm. uh, where do we actually spend the money uh, at what time yeah okay all right um so yeah so give me examples of some other kind of businesses you're saying actually for bookkeepers you yeah um, so so what kind of um work would you do for them yeah uh, so really automation of their reports so they've mm. got uh, things like zero or myob yeah, yeah. Uh, they might have other tools like workflow max if you've ever heard of any of these type mm-hmm. of tools um 
And what we do is we automate that process of sucking the data out of zero or MIOB mm-hmm. into a dashboard that gives them a monthly the monthly report. So that's the financial, full financial reporting, three-way mm-hmm. financial reporting. And then the power of these tools is more when you start looking at how are the non-financial aspects of the business affecting the finances. Mm. So that's where it really starts when you're blending other data that's non-financial mm-hmm. and creating a picture and finding insights that will optimize the business. So, so are your, um, so your clients book they're, so they're bookkeepers that work in larger organizations. Uh, that bookkeepers that? that have got twenty or thirty of their own small uh, clients, their own clients. So oh, bookkeeper, yeah. So that's so is this for for them to assist their clients, correct? Or not for not for the bookkeeping business itself? Uh, well, it it assists both. So for the client, the our, the bookkeeping client, actually has the reduced the amount of time and errors that they are for for creating end of month reporting. Mm. So instead of them just sending out Excel spreadsheets and a couple of little pretty graphs, now it's actually a self service report that can be produced any day mm. on demand so yeah. people aren't pulling multiple spreadsheets copying and pasting yeah that whole report creation's been fully automated right so what you so it takes the data from different systems yep. and then what does it put it into your system correct like, do you have a system so we yeah so we supply three different systems mm-hmm. one is called microsoft power bi mm-hmm. one's called tableau and one's uh, one is sas sas visual analytics so we've got three different systems depending on the requirements of the business. Mm. Uh, we don't. Um, we're very agnostic in terms of what the final solution be, will be mm-hmm. until we actually do a discovery and understand what type of things the business needs mm-hmm. and where they're going to generate the most value. Which tool is going to generate the most value? Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are th- so those are three tools that then they can work for almost any business yeah that's right yeah. for most cases so we've yeah. got bookkeeping clients we've got accounting practices mm-hmm. we've got retail stores we've got manufacturers uh health health clients uh other services industry clients mm-hmm. so it's very it's pretty much any industry so i guess um would accountants be ones that would sort of i don't know refer work to you or yes bring, yeah yep. that would be quite Definitely, we've got a number of accounts to refer work. That yeah. be, uh, the biggest thing, uh, the biggest thing for accountants is they want to get non a better grasp of non-financial data. Mm. Most accountants want to turn into an advisory role. Uh, so I thought most accounts just wanted to look at the numbers and that's it. No. <laughs> or is, that, I, is that changing? It's changing yeah. quite immensely. Yeah, yeah, Most of them want to understand the overall business so they can advise in other parts of the business as well, mm. not just the finance because that helps them see patterns and trends that might actually have a negative effect on the financial aspects. Right. Well, yeah, when it comes to the financials, the financials are looking backwards, you know, so it's Correct. not really... Correct. It's not really helping. And as you say, you know, you can look and say, oh, yeah, you had a good month, but you don't know why or yes. what you did or like it's a little bit... I mean, there's some value to it, but not a huge amount. Exactly. And yeah. being able to see patterns and trends of what's happening with that non-financial mm. data... Mm. Um, and if you do make a rostering change, from what will happen? Yeah, but I guess it's hard for um, I mean, business owners like they're sort of so stuck in their business, you know, just just churning away every day. How do you kind of get stop and have to you know? Is it do you have to stop and convince them to do this kind of thing, or do you only get the people that are kind of motivated to do it? Uh, look, for it to be successful. The business has to be motivated. They mm. really need to want to make a change mm. and say we're going to be a data-driven 
business. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's a small business or a medium or large enterprise, because ultimately they need to say, okay, we will, instead of using gut feel and instinct, mm. we're going to use the data, mm. historical data and trending to actually make more effective decisions. Mm. Okay. Now, some people are happy to just do it just the way they've always done it. Yeah. Um, but if you look at some of these big organizations that have come out of nothing like your Ubers and Amazons, yep. they've really harnessed the power of data. That's why they're mm. successful. Right, right. So you've got, so they've got to really want to do it. But, you, but are you saying, I mean, how small is the smallest business that would kind of be interested uh, in doing this? Well, the smallest business I think we've got is around $2 million turnover. Yeah. So it's not very large at all. Yeah. Uh, and we've because we've automated so much of their reporting, mm. um, they have been able to take on more clients mm. without adding any new staff. Are they like a service business? Services business, yeah. yeah. So yeah. added more clients, mm. no extra staff. Uh, the uh, quality of the reporting mm. uh, is better because there's no, less errors. Yeah. And because they're not actually spending time doing the reporting, they can actually do the analysis yeah. and go, ha, we, if we change this, this will happen. It's, I mean, obviously, you know, as we were saying before, you're drawing money, you're drawing data out of existing software programs. But, you know, I know, for example, in my financial planning business, we've got this software called XPlan, mm-hmm. which doesn't like to talk to other systems, right? I mean, do you come up with those issues of some some systems don't talk to each other? Uh, yes. So we're not, we, we, for us, it doesn't really matter because there's always a way for us to pull the data out. Mm. So we'll pull the data into a central sort of repository. Mm. Some people call uh, it's called a data warehouse. That's the, the, the name for it. And we'll place that data in a data warehouse and then we'll pull and rep- uh, that data into the business intelligence tool. Right. So um, most, pretty much 90% of applications, the database, you can export it via CSV or an Excel file. Oh, I see. So, so even if it's just as simple as that, then Exactly. You, yeah. So we don't have to automate 100% of it. We might automate yeah. 90% of it. Right. So you might, yeah, you'll just take the, um, yeah, the fields that are relevant. Uh, yeah, 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 correct. Yeah. Or just the entire database yeah. and then just present on what we need. Yeah. Correct. So, um, yeah, so do you have like a team of sort of, programs yeah. or stuff that are that are doing that or? yeah correct so they're more BAs than programmers because business analysts are mm. for us I think are more powerful mm. than a, a um, an IT person yeah because the value is of what we're actually presenting with the tool so the value is not the, the techie technology stuff the value is really the insights mm. that are going to be generated for the business to so make. what does a business analyst actually do yeah, so they're great. That's a actually a good question. So business analysts will actually analyze the business performance across mm-hmm. different tiers. Like mm-hmm. um, it might be financial. It might be how the non-financial is impacting the financial aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will actually create a dashboards. So let's say there's 10, dash, 10 reports that a business is currently using. Mm-hmm. And a report might be your financial reports, your yeah. rostering, yeah. your marketing spend will automate the creation of those reports, mm-hmm. which saves time, and then actually look at the patterns and trends in that in those reports that can actually be utilized. So business analysts, what's their sort of training? Are they accountants uh, or? Yeah, a, di- or a lot different. So a lot, some yeah. of them will have a business degree. Yeah. Uh, some people would have fallen into it. Um, mm. Accountants, um, it's ve- it is very varied. But a lot of them will have a business degree. Is that something like being a business? Is that something you actually study, or uh, or is it more sort of something that's you, you, you most? A lot of them will have a commerce degree yeah. or a, or a 
some sort of yeah. commerce degree, but it is really, you have to learn it. It takes yeah. years of working yeah. in different organizations yeah. to be able to really generate reports mm. uh, and insights that are meaningful yeah. to the business. Yeah. And you have to, um, and so I guess the interesting thing with what you do is you're dealing with such a wide variety of businesses, but, you know, is there just basic common themes that, that come through all of them? Like, is there a basic sort of formula of, the type of reports you do, or does it yeah. really is it is it enormously variable? Um, look, imagination is really the only limiting factor mm-hmm. in the reports that we do. But yes, in most cases, we'll start. We always start with the simple things. So let's just automate your financial reports, mm-hmm. so that we don't have to have someone every month pulling uh, database uh, Excel sc- spreadsheets together and creating mm-hmm. reports mm-hmm. because that's just a waste of time. Right, mm-hmm. uh, creating reports that, and most of the times people don't even look at them so the financial ones are the first ones that we tackle for mm-hmm. long customers and then we'll start looking at the uh, human resources reporting and the marketing and if they've got products um, utilization if mm-hmm. they're actually in um, health we do a lot of utilization reporting yep. of the machines the doctors the staff mm-hmm. um, so in most cases we start off with a very small piece yeah. of reporting and then we grow it from that yep. and the idea is that we start to expand that capability across the business because the more people that are actually doing these self-service reports and looking at insights the more people are actually going to make changes that are going to mm. optimize the business yeah okay so just uh, tell us a little bit about um, how, how you got into this business how long have you been um have you been in yeah. the business in Unify Services? So just over four years now. Yeah. Um, before that, I was at Telstra, uh, and I'd always managed a lot of. I've been an IT manager, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of risk compliance. A Telstra would have an enormous amount of data. Yes, I'm guessing. correct. <laughs> Almost as much as the banks. Uh, uh, <laughs> or maybe yes. more. Uh, I don't know. Sim- it'd be very similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, such a massive customer base. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And my passion was always: how do we find ways to analyze all this data faster mm, mm. so that we can figure out not just be reactive but be proactive so i mean we're all customers of um telecommunication mm-hmm. companies in one way so what kind of like wh- how are they analyzing our data what are they looking for oh well it's different ta- so every mu- um silo within the business uh, will do it differently mm-hmm. so finance will do it differently to marketing to products so they might be looking at things like uh, a particular product that they have and what's the churn on that product? Mm. So, uh, do certain products churn more customers than others? Right? That's right. A, that's a simple one. Right. Um, they could they also analyze internal systems and re, uh, and equipment mm-hmm. in terms of the lifespan, how long things are, how old things are, um, how secure they are. Mm. Um, they s- analyze how long it actually takes people to get out uh, and service things as well yeah of course. Um, yeah the actual cost of all of these things as well mm-hmm. of a certain product so and customer satisfaction as well i'm guessing yes so nps yeah. um and then they also going towards advocacy that's the big one now so they yeah. do a lot of that yeah analysis. i know is that when they ask you those questions at the end of your phone call how happy were you how likely yeah. you refer to someone is Co- that correct do people answer that i uh, find yes. i find those so frustrating uh yes um they do. They actually, really? surprisingly enough, it's a very hu- big number really? um, of people that do. Uh, people that are happy with the servers will tend to do that, and yeah. people that are really upset with the service will tend to do right? it as well. People that are because, sort of because sometimes you get these things, and like I don't know, you call up 
your insurance company or whatever and they're like how, how likely are you to refer us like I don't know how likely am I you know is it something that I really think about referring you know mm. my ins- my car insurance company to someone like no I, I, I don't know great point I think it's it's that the extremes right if people are really happy they're mm. an advocate like yeah. there are certain products and brands that I know I'm an advocate of because I just love them right and it's the same thing with think products and brands that we don't like mm. we, we're the biggest detractors so these days uh, a lot of these companies the, what they do is they pull data from social networks so mm. Facebook and Twitter accounts and Instagram and so they look for positive and negative feedback so they're looking for people that are really happy and figuring out why they're so happy mm. and people that are um, not happy because for example you know, if you're in, whether it's Vodafone or Telstra or Optus, when there's a new iPhone, they all look at and scour with automation and systems and analytics for Twitter accounts. People that are saying, I've been in the line for two hours, I still haven't got right, my phone. Right. And suddenly someone on in Telstra or Optus or Tel- will send a message to that person to connect oh, with them mm. and help to improve the experience. Mm. Wow. So... Yeah, so so it can be that immediate in terms of Correct. how they use Correct. they use that data. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So something I was going to say, but now I've now I've forgotten. So okay, so you were sort of doing that, and then um, sort of four years ago you started. So, so yeah. did you start the business yourself or yeah. with a, with so, a partner? Yeah, I or? took another. Uh, so we've got these three partners. Yeah. Uh, in the business, um, initially I took someone from Telstra, and uh, we've been growing the business. Uh, organically mm-hmm. uh, we've got some really big brands that we work with like Viva Energy which is Shell in Australia yeah. programmed um, and then we, but most of our business is mid, mid-tier we really focus on the yeah. mid-tier and how did you go out there and sort of generate this business like, so so do you pretty much start from nothing yeah pretty much so yeah, yeah. just lots of networking mm. um, just yeah you just you got to get out there mm. uh, call people find who look for what we do as well there's a big education piece as well mm. a lot of people don't know what's out there Mm. So we have to educate them and show them that there is actually a better way. You don't have to just be stuck in the rut of Excel. Mm. There are better ways. Yeah. Um, so that that is probably the most time-consuming part. Yeah, actually educating yes people. But because but that that's pretty tough. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I guess if you've got you know, I mean, if you've got a market of people that know that they need it, that's one thing. But it, but to try and market to people that don't know what they need it and yes. partic- well I guess it depends on the business size you know whether they just see it as a cost or a yeah look mm. we find that the conversations is pretty much the same for us it's mm. if they if they feel that they are spending a lot of time and too much time in reporting mm. that's not actually going anywhere mm. instead of actually looking for ways to improve the business yeah then that's our ideal customer yeah yeah, and I think also, and I know being in small business as well, sometimes if you're spending a lot of time preparing the report, then you don't really have the energy or the, or the perspective to sit down and actually analyze it. Exactly. Yeah. You could you could sell my product right now. Yeah, just yeah. Saying you just, that, cause that's yeah, because you just got, you spend all your time and energy. It's just like, yeah, it's just like whether you write a report versus yes. review a report. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we, we just don't. I don't believe there's any mm. value in report creation. Yeah. The value comes out of actually looking at the report, finding an insight. Right. So really, um, I mean, you'll attract people who feel like they've got a problem in a way. Yeah. They've got to feel that something's not working. Is yes. that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, or they've got so many different, like you said, so many of these different applications mm. and they're going, well, 
what does it actually all mean? What, what mm. I've got all this data, customer data, product mm. data, marketing, got, but what what is it actually telling me? Mm. It's all very siloed. Yeah, the reports are siloed. How do I connect all of this? How do I mesh and blend all this information into something that gives me an overall picture of the business? Yeah. Okay. So um, we've talked about retail, about sort of bookkeeping. Is mm. there any other kind of business say any other interesting uh, sort of case study yeah manufacturers manufacturing yeah. is great are there any manufacturers still around oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep so we deal with a small manufacturer in south melbourne who yeah. got you know multi-million dollar machines yeah and create amazing um products mm. uh for a lot of the bottling plants so um yeah there's definitely a lot of manufacturers still still around yeah correct yeah uh and they're high quality manufacturers. Yeah, uh, so only the good ones have survived, probably. I think so. Mm. Yeah, the, and the ones that have evolved. Mm. Um, this particular customer we work with, they uh, saw that their reporting was not going anywhere. They weren't really mm. measuring the right KPIs, and we mm. came in and helped them. They had the data, mm-hmm. so we helped them actually manage that data more effectively yeah. and create reports that have got a lot of meaning yeah. uh, for the entire business. Um, th- making sure that the right KPIs are being measured. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, most of the times people just don't know what they could yeah. be even analysing. So it must have been a big leap from you. I said working as an employee in Telstra where I guess you're just doing the technical sort of work and then going into your own business where you've got to not only do technical but you've got to do sort of sales as well. Was that, yeah. or was that a tough sort of leap? or? Uh, honestly, no. Mm. I don't I don't mind the BDMing yeah. type of work. So, yeah. Um, and I enjoy the sort of principal consultant work mm-hmm. where I go in and actually sit down with the business and analyze things. Yeah. But at Telstra, I, you know, like I said, I did six, seven different jobs. And they're all mm. not highly technical. They were more in the business right. realm. Right. And but 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 in any event, the work was there. Like, yeah, so you yeah, didn't have yeah. to actually go out and hunt not, and not hunt out and get customers. No, no. There's, mm. There is, for this, there's a lot of work out there because mm. there is a, um, you know, these tools haven't been around for mm. more than 10 years. And in the past, it was only the big enterprises that could afford them. Mm. That's changed dramatically. Um, you know, Power BI, a Microsoft product, it can be as little as $19.95 a month. Right. So, right. you know, if we talked about this 10 years ago, mm. we would be talking a million-dollar project. <laughs> so the yeah. technology, the evolution yeah. of technology is making a lot more Co- yeah. affordable. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, like with your other, so you started with an, another person from yep. Telstra, and did you do you each sort of have different skills? Yeah, you bring, or yeah. You, yeah, much more technical. He's much more technical than yeah. I am. Yeah, um, and yeah, so I'm not. I've never been really at someone that logs onto servers and computers. I've yeah. always been more at the business side of IT yeah. technology. Yeah, so um, you're, not, you're not the guy that's that's arranging the sucking the data. No, no, no. We've got stuff. people to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, who love that and they're very good at it and mm-hmm. passionate about it. Yeah, uh, it's a very different skill set because mm-hmm. then they can, in most cases, do know how to do some coding and yeah. database administration and yeah. a lot of other things. I'm more the conceptual um, uh, part of of that process mm-hmm. and you know converting that concept into something that's going to be meaningful and valuable to the Customer. Yeah, yeah. So you're so you're either your partner's more of a he's a more technical, technical sort of guy. Yes. And, and you said you've brought on a third. Yeah, we brought on another well. uh, partner who's yeah. got uh, 20 years of retail experience to yeah. help us grow that retail part of the business. Um, r- yeah, retail's an interest, inter- interesting industry. Mm. Um, so we thought it would be better to have an insider to come and help us. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's good. And what sort of how many staff do you have? Uh, there's. 
it's transient. It goes up to eleven staff, depending yeah. on how many projects we have. Yeah, yeah. So, so you just so you just need that. So it's sort of you just sort of need that technical sort of staff. In yeah, the background. yeah. So we've got contractors that yeah. come in and do yeah. different so you pieces of work. So you don't need to have um, have him have full time employees no. that sort of work. As we grow, we'll yeah. have more and more. Yeah. But until then, we and is there? Do you do it all onshore, or do you do it offshore? No, a bit? all onshore. Everything it's we do onshore. onshore. Yeah. Um, I think a lot is lot for what we do. Too much is lost in translation, mm. and I don't mean just language, but I mean culturally as well. Yeah, um, I've worked with a lot of offshore teams yeah. in my previous roles. Yeah, so I think it's really we just find that yeah, it's just too much lost in you, you're you actually ends up costing you more mm. by the time you count all the project management, yeah, all the rework, yeah, um, all the things that hadn't been voiced initially. And so, do those contractors all come to your office to work, or no, not necessarily. No, a lot of it go, they go to the customer sites. So oh, a right. lot of it is in the customer's business. Okay, the idea is sit with the customer, understand their business, mm. create a plan and a yeah. strategy for what they actually want. Yeah, and then start the implementation. But isn't isn't that difficult for you? Like, if you're if these people aren't sort of full time employees and you have good people, do, do you, are you able to keep getting yeah, yeah, the same yeah. people? Yeah, yeah. In most cases, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not, not not that difficult. And once they're up and the customer's up and running, then we just have a monthly uh, retainer that we go in once a month mm-hmm. and keep evolving the that solution and getting it across the entire business. Mm. Okay, and uh, and so those sort of work are they? So so how long do you bring them on for? It'll depend. Kind of it's some we've had projects as lo- as short as two weeks, yeah, and we have projects that just go on; they're never ending because the business yeah. is so big. Yeah, so it really depend on what we're trying to achieve yeah. for the customer. Yeah, is uh, so is getting those contractors is that is that difficult or? or, uh, or no, no, it's no. not too not not too bad. See, I, I would have thought that would have been the hard. Everyone talks about in business that the hardest thing is getting good people. It, um, yes. Uh, I've been lucky enough. I've built a large network mm. over the year, over my journey. So the, these people I've either worked with, or hired in other businesses. Mm-hmm. So it's not actually, yeah. I think it's about the network, yeah, people that you yeah, work with. Yeah, um, that's and, the hardest part. Yeah, and they know obviously that you're a, you're a good person to work. Yeah, exactly. With that kind of, and just out of interest, those sort of people. Uh, uh, what? What age bracket are, are those sort of technical IT people? Are they like uh, in their 20s? Yeah, their 20s into their 30s, yeah. uh, some 40s and yeah. a few in the 50s. Yeah, yeah, but it's really mainly like once you get to your 40s, it, it just tapers off a lot um, or not necessarily? No, not necessarily. It depends. Yeah. Uh, the more the, com- the complexity of the business mm. will really drive that. So mm. the business is very complex and has a lot of moving... Um, moving goalposts, then you want someone that's been around a lot of different mm. businesses mm. and can actually advise on, hey, have you thought about doing it this way? Yeah. So, and that, you need maturity with that. So those guys are what you describe those analysts, but there are there is there a separate sort of workforce that does the, the pure technical sucking information yeah, out? Yeah, it is. So they're like preparing the data, so mm. the data prep work. Yeah. So that's a little bit different. It's actually yeah. presenting the data mm. so that the BAs can actually go um, and interrogate it and, and grab it and put it into yeah. a dashboard. Yeah. Uh, but there are some people, like my business partner, who's young, and he can actually do all of it. He can talk to you about the business models, yeah. the concepts, pull the data he out. He can do it all. And, yeah. and code. Yeah. So, so has it been, uh, have there been any real significant challenges since sort of going out on your own? Yeah, uh, there's, there's always challenges. Yeah. I mean, just... What are the biggest fi- ones been? Uh, f- 
uh, it's always finding more customers faster. Yeah. That's yeah. you know, and managing growth and expectations, yeah. um, and making sure that you hire and and in terms of hiring people, that you are hiring the people mm. that want to be in it for the long haul yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting more customers is I think yeah, that's a challenge that's for every every, every business. Yeah, um, and is um, and the customers that you have do they tend to sort of stay with you for a long yeah. period of time? So they yeah. become ongoing sort of customers usually. Most of our customers we've done more than one project with. It's but two it, or three projects. Right, but it's not it's not as though they'll have you on a retainer indefinitely. Some or? do. Yeah. Yep. Some have a monthly plan, and every yeah. month they see us for five, ten, fifteen hours. Right. And they just it's set work every yeah. month. Yeah. So yes. So, so so that that's a good sort of base to build your business on. That's a, way, a fantastic isn't it? base. Yeah. Yes. But not everyone needs that. No, not everyone needs it. It yeah. really depends on the on the business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We find that some businesses are happy to just do five hours a month, like yeah. a minimum. Uh, and then some businesses get very excited and you know, they want someone there permanently if they mm. could. Mm. Um. Yeah, interesting. And is it uh, like like is it difficult for you to sort of take a, a break from the business, take holidays and stuff? Is that is that hard? Oh, uh, it's manageable. Yeah, all these things yeah. you know, are manageable. Yeah, uh, I think when you have you're running a business, you just yeah. you've got to do what you've, you've got to stay in to some extent. Yeah, but I guess it's good having um having a partner. Yes. you can sort of definitely you can, you can sort of spend. someone you can rely on. Yeah, yeah. And what do you do? Like, do you, what what do you do in terms of office space? Do you have just yeah, we're in Port Melbourne. Yeah, uh, we're in a shared office in Port yeah. Melbourne uh, next to Toyota. Okay, and um, so one of those co-working sort of yeah, spaces. co-working with yeah. a big with a big uh, hall that we can have meetings in, and we yeah. can actually have we do events. Yeah, how uh, do you find that the co-working space? Do you, do you really like it, or is it a just a okay. transition thing it's, for you? Oh, look, potentially it's just most mm. likely just a transition. Yeah, but yeah. But it's it's good. like we don't really want. To be in the office no. because if you're in the office you're not really billing yeah so you want to be right. out on the road yeah so the office is really just for meetings and a few mm, things mm. um but ultimately you want to be out on the road yeah 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 it's interesting i was um because i had to leave my office my work office about six months ago and i was looking at some of those co-working spaces actually I had a couple of uh sort of friends who financial planners as well one particular who, who went into a co-working space and i thought it looked great um yeah. But I managed to find a good space myself as a standalone, which I'm really happy with. But is it? Um, do you get sort of much camaraderie? Do you get any yeah, sort of business yeah. referrals? And that oh kind yeah, of thing? definitely lots of yeah. business referrals. That's good. Yep. Yeah. Um, look, there's a mixed um, feelings and mm. I think mixed studies out there, or whether they work or not. Is that right? Um, I yeah, thought all the studies whether they do it, but maybe I'm just maybe I'm just think I just hear no, the. Uh, there's been quite themselves. a lot that have said recently that they're actually not great at all. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I. I <laughs> Being because there's so many distractions, yeah. Like you find out what people have been eating, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a minefield, right? Yeah, you like, go to get you go to you know, get a bloody coffee, and then you you end up hearing about their yeah. divorce and three kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there has been studies that say that up to twenty percent productivity loss. Is that right? So yeah. and I can having worked in really big ones like that. Yeah, I can, can see, see why that happens. It's very yeah easy. because then. Yeah, and there'd be people there who, yeah, are partly there for the social part of it in a way. Yeah, pretty there? much. Like, yeah, pretty much. Um, exactly. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's, you know what? I was even I was subleasing from um, other accountants, and uh, yeah, I even found once we moved into purely our own, even though I wasn't part of their business, they were separate. There was just a bit of freedom, a bit of headspace mm-hmm. that kind of um. Yeah, it's just all that noise that you don't probably don't need. Yeah, 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 um, and. 
in terms of like well uh like like australia in terms of our data and and, and that and this, i imagine it's important for you to have sort of very good high internet speeds and all that sort of stuff with the work that you do yeah actually that's quite interesting our internet is one of the big issues in australia still mm. for businesses is it um a lot of places, I know my office i've still only got adsl it's yeah. ridiculous so that's look that's gonna that's a bit one of the big challenges yeah so that's it's slowly improving mm. um and I think people think that NBN is the, the answer. And in most cases, it's not, because it's not, in most cases, NBN is not a business rate, um, business grade service. Mm. So there are business NBN services out there, but they're going to cost more. Really? Like if you expect to get a high availability, you mm. know, service level agreements, you're going to have to pay for it. Mm. You know, you're still going to have to pay four or $500 a month. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, to get decent internet. Yeah. It doesn't go down. You know? yeah. So. That, I think that's that's probably the, one of the big hurdles. But, I mean, do you reckon the NBN's just been a total disaster? I uh, mean, I think I look at it financially, and I, I don't know. I just reckon that they've wasted forty-two billion dollars. Uh, <laughs> that, that's what it looks like to me. But I'm interested in someone who knows yeah, what they're actually talking look, about. Um, there's a, so there's a few different ways of looking at it. You can look at it in a way of. If you don't do anything and you don't make any improvements, mm. you know, um, that's bad, right? So we've got but, to do something. But isn't the wireless taking over? Well, no. What, and, well, that's a, and that's the education part. Mm. Wireless like 5G is going to be great for mobile phones, mm. single devices, mm. small, small offices. Mm. It's not for a larger office that needs lots of bandwidth, okay? Mm. So, yeah, that's not, that's not a solution either. A mm. Wi-Fi, like a fixed internet connection with Wi-Fi, is mm. going to be around for a very long time. Mm. So, having a good internet connection is really important because everything's mm. going to the cloud, as people say. You mm. know. Um, and everyone's so, using VoIP now and yeah, video conferencing correct, and all that correct. stuff. And you need a decent ADSL; just won't cut it, right? Yeah. You need a decent internet connection, so you yeah. have to spend money. You got to spend yeah. four, five hundred dollars minimum to get a decent internet. Mm. That's that's the way it is, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. That's going to be a long time mm, before mm. that changes. Now, in terms of the NBN, um, so they could have just sat there and done nothing. Mm. They're doing something, whether it's perfect or not. No, mm. it's not. It's mm. got a lot of issues. And because um, there is so many different technologies, it means the long-term cost of operating that network is going to be very high. Mm. So it will cost more and more. And most likely Telstra will buy it anyway. So let's Telstra will buy it back. Back anyway, yeah. Mm. So they've already split. Telstra's already been split into mm. two different business units. The wholesale and retail. Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, they just, you know, the government downgrades the value of it mm. and Telstra buys it. So uh, mm. nothing, nothing will surprise me. Mm. Um, but the, because it is such a mismatch of t- different types of technologies, you've got the different type of fiber networks mm. and fiber technologies, it means that the cost of running it long term is going to be very high. But what was like, what was the other alternative? Could they have just? You're saying they basically they've patched stuff on with NBN. Is that what they it should is? Should have just gone fiber to every single house. Mm. Just exactly. You know, so what does that mean? Ripping everything. Design. Does that mean ripping everything out? Initial costs are higher, mm. but once you've done it, mm. right? It's it's done. Mm. So. Um, so they've ended up with a hodgepodge of crap yeah, for $42 yeah. billion. Dollars. Yeah, so they've got, you know, they've got Optus, 
uh, some places Optus, old Optus networks. Right, old, and they're u- so they're using all each of those. Yeah, mm. and it's difficult to manage. Like, how do you manage all these different technologies? You need mm. sometimes you need different skill sets. Mm. Um, you've got just different parts that you've got to have on stock. I mean, there's a whole plethora of things that goes mm. into this. Yeah. So it's nicer when you. It's like the whole. Um, what's that saying where people say sometimes it's cheaper to knock down the house than yeah. renovate it. Yeah, and we're renovating at the moment, mm. so mm. it would have been cheaper to knock that. Long term, it's cheaper to actually knock the house mm. down. Mm. Well, it's just amazing to me that they that they did that. I, I, I just oh look, politics. I can't uh, understand like how, how. Yeah, I mean, so if you think that the as you said, the internet connection is like almost a, it's a massive fundamental block for the economy, like mm. massive and getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, you know why wouldn't you do it? But I guess maybe it would have been a two hundred billion. I don't know. Not necessarily. I think long term, I think it'll be less expensive. Yeah, because like I said, if you've got like sometimes it's cheaper Mm. to knock the house down. Yeah, knock it down and start fresh. Yeah. All righty. Well, we're coming uh, to the end of the discussion. Thanks. I found it uh, extremely useful. But I always ask my guests for their top three tips. So I suppose for you. You know, it seems like your your key expertise is in helping businesses analyze data. So I want to ask you uh, for your top three tips uh, for businesses who want to make better use of the uh, of the data that they have. Yeah. Okay. So the the first one is if they do go down a path of looking at a tool, um, don't bite off more than you can chew. So do the old crawl, walk, run. Mm-hmm. Um, just get small bits of improvement. Um, that'll keep you in really good stead. Uh, second one is don't lose focus of why you're actually doing this. The mm-hmm. key focus should always be to make better and faster business decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one is you can actually start for free right now by just doing quarterly or biannual reviews of the reports you actually generate. Mm-hmm. So if reports have been created and no one's actually doing anything with them, mm-hmm. what's the point? Yeah. So it doesn't cost you anything to review them and say, hey, we maybe need to think, rethink about what we're doing in terms of reporting and why. Yeah. All right, Mitch, thanks a lot. So where can uh, people go to find out a bit more about you and your business? Yes, yeah, so unifyservices.com.au is our website. Or yep. you can call 1300-UNIFY-S, so 1300-864-397. Yep. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, and yeah, reach out and we're happy to help in any way we can. Terrific. All right, Mitch, thanks, thanks very much for coming in. It's been uh, certainly been very interesting for me. It's sort of an area that I uh, you know, don't know that much about, but I reckon I've picked up quite a bit today. So um, thanks for coming in and uh, we'll be in touch with you soon. Thank you.